What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three trick-or-treaters scared of biting into razor-filled candy. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm going to go as the sex monster from It Follows for Halloween. I'm Keith Baker, and I don't think I want to visit Sweden anymore. And I'm Austin Terry, and I'll never look at Patrick Stewart the same way again. That's right. On today's show, we'll be returning to our dearly beloved bracket format, this time to answer once again that age-old question, what is the best Halloween movie? Um, our last three Halloween brackets have kind of run the gamut of Halloween and horror movie subgenres. We've done classics, guilty pleasures, straight up scary movies, B-movies, and a lot more. Today, we thought it'd be kind of fun to mix it up and tackle more modern movies. So we set a boundary for 2010. So every one of the movies we discussed today will have come out in 2010 or later. And on top of that, we're doing four horror subgenres today that we haven't really scratched the surface too much of on in the past. So like with all of our brackets, we each picked four movies for a total of 12 to pit against each other to see what will come out on top. So my favorite question to ask you guys before we get into the brackets, Austin and Keith, how about you tell me a little bit about what went into selecting the movies you did? And I'm really curious to hear kind of like what the overall experience was watching these in preparation. Did you like once you finished all 12, was it like, oh, that was a good we made good picks. Was it bad picks like last year? <laughs> how are you guys feeling? Yeah, you mentioned last year, Matt. Um I think we all left last year's bracket feeling like we had scraped the bottom of the barrel and we weren't sure what the future of this Halloween bracket looked like. And kind of shortly after that bracket, I just started making a list throughout the year of modern horror movies I watched or heard about or knew had a good reputation because I, I love this time of year. And so I wanted to make sure we had a good selection to choose from uh, for our bracket for 2023. And so that's kind of what went into my selection here was really based on modern movies I'd seen and loved or just modern movies I'd never seen but knew had a good reputation. So that's how I picked my four. And after going through this entire um, selection of 12 movies this year, I think we nailed it. I think this is going to be a really good conversation. There's only one that I think is genuinely bad. And other than that, I really could see any movie um, in this Brackets Day winning. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, Austin really helped me kind of develop uh, my choosings for this year. With two out of the four that I chose uh, with your list that you compiled. Two out of the four of mine were ones that are made by people that had already made other horror films that I liked. And so I wanted to see, I guess you could say, spiritual sequels, I guess. And then the other two were from Austin's lists. And all four of them I had not seen before. So my viewings of all of them were pretty fun. But there was, I think, maybe one or two here that are weak for me. Um, I'm curious to see if, they're, if it's going to be the same for you guys. So, yeah, overall, though, I think we, we've got a really good list here. I'm excited to battle it out. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat uh, as Keith. I think Austin's list really helped us out once we decided to, you know, kind of do this with a more modern movie bend, which I think ended up being a good call. Because I also agree that I think looking back at a lot of our brackets, most of them, I think, have been overall pleasant. But this was a very good experience for me as well. I think most of these were fun watches. And I actually hadn't seen a lot of these despite them being modern movies. I had missed a lot of these. We, one of them we talked about on our show whenever it came out, but the rest of them I had to kind of watch for the first time or kind of re-familiarize with myself. But yeah, what a blast. And I picked most of mine uh, from Austin's list. And I had, I'd, I'd only seen one of the ones that I picked. <laughs> so I really kind of went out on a limb, which sometimes, as you guys, I think, could agree whenever we do that with the brackets, that can be a bad call <laughs> when you submit a movie that you don't actually know uh, if you like it or not. But I'm pretty happy with my picks. Uh, one of them was highlighted on a YouTube channel um, that I really enjoy. And it's a movie that came out this year. So I thought that would be a fun pick. And then the others just kind of took from the modern movie list that Austin made and had, I think, good reputations. And I certainly enjoyed them. And I enjoyed your guys' as well. So I think this is going to be 
potentially a tough bracket, but I'm very excited because the tough brackets for me are always the most fun. So we got to get into now the kind of the classic question that we always start off with before we get into the debate. And that's what is the criteria this year for something to kind of win those final rounds? I think in the early wild card, it's always just the best movie is going to move on. But then as we start narrowing down this list here, what do you think is going to edge out one movie over another as we get into this final bracket? Because we don't really have like a, a clear theme this year. It's kind of just a bunch of random modern horror movies. So is there anything that stands out to you among this list? It is tricky because, I mean, you got horror, you got thrillers, and you kind of have, I guess you could say, some dramas in here too. And then I know last year we always had a, we had a tough time, especially in like our or like our, you can almost say our playoff rounds where we're down to like the final four where we're like, we're debating, like you said, Austin, if it, is it a better movie or is it a better Halloween movie, you know? Well, and I think, I think the Halloween feel this year might be out the window because we really only have one movie set during Halloween. Everything else is just a thriller or a scary movie. Um, I think what what's going to add something out for me as we get deeper into this is what did I have the most fun with? Because at its core, I do think horror movies should be fun. I think they should scare you, but I think there should be kind of that adrenaline ride of, oh, that, that really scared me, but I'm, I'm really having a good time. So as we get into some of these other ones, there there's some that are really scary in here, but maybe aren't necessarily a fun watch. So I, I think something that I had a, had a good time with is going to edge out um, a winner for me this year to like recommend to watch during this Halloween season. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Okay, good. Because that's kind of the main thing I was thinking about when coming into this is... I've struggled on the last like Halloween brackets like, well, we call it the best Halloween movie bracket. Is this a good Halloween movie? Is it better? So I'm totally with you guys on that. And I'm happy that I kind of agree with you that we're calling it the best Halloween movie bracket because we've done this for three years now. So we kind of have to. We're not going to change it up now. But I'm also kind of like Austin throwing it out the window. I mean, I'll like he said, I'll keep that, I guess, in the back of my mind. Maybe it's like maybe a background criteria. But I think for once, I'm just going to try and go. What's the better movie? And like Austin, what did I have more fun with? Um, and what would be fun to watch during the spooky season? Because like this is pretty much the only time of year that I watch these movies. I like to kind of keep it around the Halloween times. I think that's fun. Um, but yeah, so kind of light on criteria this time, but I'm not complaining. You know, we're just going to try and pick the best movie, I guess. All right, everybody, welcome to the best Halloween movie bracket. We won't be repeating any of the movies that we've submitted in our three previous Halloween brackets. I went back and looked to see which movies in those episodes came out in 2010 or later to kind of fit into, you know, the modern lens that we're looking at today. And it was only a handful of them. But because of that, today we won't be talking about Freaky, The Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead 2013, Insidious, Hereditary, The Conjuring, It Chapters 1 and 2, You're Next, and Sinister. So if you're curious about any of our thoughts on those more modern horror movies, go back and check out our previous Halloween Bracket episodes. With that, let's leave the past behind and get into this. Keith, how about you let the audience know about our one-seaters today? All right, going into our one-seaters, we have Barbarian for the horror-thriller side of the bracket, Smile for psychological horror movies, It Follows for the trauma branch, and The Witch for the folk horror part of the bracket. All right, so Keith just told you who our one-seaters are today. Anything that wins in this first wildcard round is going to go on to face one of those movies. And guys, with that, let's get into it and let's kick it off with our horror-thriller wing of the bracket. Starting off today, we have Green Room from 2015 going up against Cobweb from 2023. Green Room is directed by Jeremy Saulnier. It stars Anton Yelchin, Imogen Poots, Alia Chakwat, Macon Blair, and Patrick Stewart. 
The general premise of this one is a punk band finds themselves attacked by neo-Nazi skinheads after witnessing a murder at their remote club in the Pacific Northwest. And we got Cobweb, uh, was made in 2023. It's directed by Samuel Bowden, stars Lizzie Kaplan, Woody Norman, Cleopatra Coleman, and Anthony Starr from The Boys. An eight-year-old boy tries to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house, unveiling a dark secret that his sinister parents have kept hidden from him. Also interesting to note, uh, this is probably a good sign based on the quality of the movies that we picked, but Cobweb is our lowest rated based on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's sitting at a 59%, so almost fresh uh, on their site. But yeah, guys, this is tricky. Green Room is one of the few on this list that I had seen before because I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Saulnier. Uh, Murder Party, Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin is so fucking good. I recommend that to everybody. Go watch that. Um, But yeah, I watched Green Room when it came out, and... It's kind of, how do I describe it? I think one of the reasons I love Green Room is because they took something that you weren't aware that you were afraid of, but obviously everybody is. And then they made like a whole movie about that. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to stumble into into a situation where like I'm like trapped in like a neo-Nazi like <laughs> punk bar situation where I'm in the green room and then like I witness something I shouldn't have and now I'm being targeted. Probably it's not going to happen to me, but turns out it's pretty fucking scary <laughs> and, um, just a great premise for a horror movie patrick stewart i remember that was kind of the huge thing whenever they cast him because whenever you are you going to see him play a role like this um but a great movie and cobweb I don't, I don't know exactly where i stand i thought it was really interesting i'm glad i watched it i think the performances are great lizzie kaplan's giving me major um kathy bates from misery vibes in this one <laughs> and anthony Starr was clearly just given the note by seth rogan and evan goldberg who produced it uh, who also produced the boys they were like I know you're probably wanting to play other roles, but don't <laughs> just play Homelander. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> so he did that, but the acting is great. Just treat this kid like you treat your kid and the boys. Basically, yeah. So I guess that's kind of where I'll start uh, with just kind of my general thoughts. I, I, th- I enjoyed both of these quite a bit. Uh, but what do you guys think? Green Room is one of those movies that's been on my list for years, and I am so glad I finally just sat down and watched it. I had a blast with Green Room through and through. Um, I thought it was so much fun. It was very scary. Um, but also had those like thriller kind of mystery elements. And I liked them. I, I guess I liked how small scale it was where they're stuck in this room and they like kind of slowly start to explore and like expand out from there and different characters get involved. And the general premise is very scary. I think even if you remove the punk band, and neo-Nazi skinhead, just like maybe you're at a bar and you stumble upon something you shouldn't be seeing. And then the owners trap you there. Like it, it honestly could happen to people, which I think makes it more scary going into cobweb. The last 20 minutes of this movie I thought were really good when the monster like finally gets let out, but it was a slog for me to get there. Um, and so I think that's kind of hampering my enjoyment. But I, I did, it did like genuinely creep me out when the actual monster is like prowling around the house and there were some pretty good scares there. Yeah, I, didn't, I did not hate Cobweb. Like you guys said, this is like the lowest rated one here, but Green Room I had seen when it first came out back in 2015. I remember really liking it. So I had a really fun time rewatching it. Oh, man, it's such, such a cool movie. Like you guys said, it's so creepy. Even like you said, Matt, like even if you take the, the neo-Nazi thing out of it, just the fact that this is like a creepy venue out in the woods that oh, you could probably yeah. get, just get away <laughs> with anything out there. I remember, and I've passed by places like this before, like on road trips and stuff like that. I'm like, who's going to these type of places? I like out in the middle of nowhere to go to like some raunchy, weird concert. <laughs> like, what's what's happening out here? So, yeah, definitely the realism of it creeps me out. And then Cobweb, I don't think it blew me out of the water by any means with Cobweb. Uh, it was just kind of one of those, like, okay, that was fun. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Whenever it ended, I was like, I'm glad I watched that. That was a good time, but I haven't really thought about it too much since I watched it, you know? I guess it was interesting that they were kind of tackling, like, the idea of a parent's reaction to, like, maybe a deformed or potentially disabled child and then kind of making a movie monster around that. I thought that was kind of cool, but that's probably really the only interesting thing I can say. I think Green Room just has kind of that intrigue throughout, like you said, Austin. It's like, it it is scary, but it also is kind of like a fun mystery element too. watching both sides. Like, how are they going to combat each other? Uh, So if we're jumping to voting, I think I'm glad I watched both of these, but Green Room's going to get my vote. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I I think Cobweb is certainly worth watching, especially if you like need a good Halloween movie to put on um, like this time of year. But I think we're in the point of the bracket where just the better movie is going to win. And Green Room is far and away the better movie when it's going up against Cobweb. I agree. Easy vote for me. Green Room. All right. So Green Room is going to go on to face Barbarian in round two. All right. So now let's move on to the psychological horror side of the bracket. And first we have The Invisible Man from 2020 going up against The Black Phone from 2021. So to start us off, The Invisible Man was directed by Lee Winnell, and it stars Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reid, Harriet Dyer, and Oliver Jackson Cohen. And it's about a woman who believes she is being stalked and gaslit by her deceased ex-boyfriend after he may or may not have acquired the ability to become invisible. Kind of an interesting take on the classic universal monster story. And this one is very well regarded. Got a 92% Rotten Tomatoes. Then we have The Black Phone, which came out in 2021. It's directed by Scott Derrickson. It stars Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Jeremy Davies, James Ransom, and Ethan Hawke. An abducted teenager uses a mysterious telephone to communicate with the previous victims of a deranged captor. Okay, so normally, guys, to pull back the curtain a little bit, the way this works is I'll read one, Austin reads one, and then Keith will usually start in that case with his thoughts. But Keith, I think we have to break with form a little bit here, because (laughs) if you recall, uh, whenever you submitted the black phone, Austin said, and I quote, that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. (laughs) So often, please, we have to give you the floor. I mean, how do you feel about the black phone to start us off? So I was obviously speaking with hyperbole when I said it was the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, The thing for me with the black phone is I thought the trailer when this originally came out was so perfect and I was so excited for it. And then I was so let down when I finally saw it. Um, I think Ethan Hawke's really good, and the idea of him being in a scary movie as the villain was what really excited me. And I don't know, the like psychological powers didn't really work for me. Um, I don't think Ethan Hawke is in the movie enough. I think he should have been in it a lot more. I went into it with such high expectations but the first time around, and then just found it really mid. I will say on a rewatch, because I had such a low opinion of it, I guess I like it a little bit more now. Um, the thing for me with this matchup, though, is The Invisible Man, to me, is one of the worst movies in this bracket, genuinely. Um, so I'll spoil it right now. I'm going to be voting for the black phone in this round because of what it's going up against. That's surprising. Genuinely surprises me. Okay. Keith, what do you think? (laughs) Wow. I was not expecting that at all. Man, well, yeah, where do I go from here? I enjoyed the invisible man. I can see why you might not like it. Austin It's kind of clunky here and there. I was, I think I I like the idea of it more. I think it probably could have been a better, a way better movie or maybe like a, a show or something like that where they're dealing with like technology technology and there's people that are like taking on these invisible suits. Yeah. It was just okay. Um, black phone. I had a really good time with black phone. The whole child abduction thing is always a creepy setting. I did think Ethan Hawke played a good part. I think the only, the only thing that kind of lost me in this movie was the kids that he did abduct and I guess, well, yeah. And he did kill as ghosts, that was kind of weird. Like, I wish they kind of explain, would have explained that more. Same with his little sister. 
having these supernatural powers, I was like, all right, this is too much of a coincidence, I guess, but whatever. I'm go- I'll go along with it. Um, but I did, did you like, like the-, the like karate kid elements of it where <laughs> everything he's doing with the kids is teaching him how to fight his way out at, at the very end. That kid did have like a Ralph Macchio vibes a little bit. <laughs> but I, I did like kind of like the Saul aspect of it where he's like stuck in this room and he kind of has to play the game, I guess. And he has to, you know, maybe go up the stairs, maybe not go up the stairs. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but Ethan, I think the Ethan Hawke character kind of like got less scary for me too as the movie went on. So that's my only critique with it, but overall I had a good time and it was a cool, I like that it had a happy ending, at least with one of the kids, uh, the main guy. Um, so that's where I'm at. What about you, Matthew? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I'll mix up the format even more. Austin did his big intro there and said where he was voting. So I'm just going to go ahead and do the same thing because I loved The Invisible Man and it's easily going to get my vote. So Keith, just that's a little uh, primer for you. You're going to have to be the deciding <laughs> vote here. But doesn't mean that I didn't like the black phone. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I think that's probably the best thing I can say about it. I thought it was enjoyable watch. Austin mentioned at the top, like trying to balance horror with a movie that's also kind of fun. Maybe you didn't like it too much, but that kind of is what the black phone was to me. I mean, it's obviously it's tackling serious subject matter, but it still kind of gives you that like, I don't know, that energetic boost of watching like a decent or good horror movie. Like I found it enjoyable and fun. And whenever he, whenever the kid fucking uses all of uh, the other kids' advice to make this trap for Ethan Hawke, and then he kills him, I was like, kind of getting hyped. I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> whenever he like traps him in that hole, then just fucking snaps his neck with the phone cord. That was great. And then he can go back to school and talk to the girl he's got a crush yeah, on. Okay, that was stupid. <laughs> like, that being, uh, dude, I was like already like thinking about us talking about that. The last line of this movie, because I guess it, his name is Finn, but he goes by Finny. The last line is him walking into class. So next to his crush and he just goes and she's like hi Finny and he's just like call me Finn it's like okay <laughs> and then it just cuts to credits reminded me of fucking Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad <laughs> um, call me Flynn it's like okay um, but yeah I guess to speak positively on the Invisible Man like you guys mentioned it wasn't that scary but this is the one that was like I don't know it felt like it took me the longest to watch it it, it, it was kind of um, peaking my anxiety a little bit I, I love the premise and just like the idea of her like mega like billionaire boyfriend or fiance, whatever he is, like faking his own death just to fuck with her because that's kind of who this guy is. And then like watching how he does it, I thought was so scary. The way he kind of like fools everyone into making her look crazy and truly gaslighting her was like hard to watch. And I, I was, yeah, I was like feeling nervous while watching this movie. So it wasn't scary in the traditional sense, but like it definitely was like putting me on edge a little bit. I thought Elizabeth Moss was great. No surprise there. Um, but yeah, this one kind of filled me with a different kind of dread that I wasn't expecting. I had heard good things around this came out. I think this came out right before the pandemic started, so I never saw it. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm kind of like he said, I'm a little surprised um, that I guess this one didn't work for you guys as much, but I had a great time with it. So yeah, definitely easily gets my vote. So I guess we have to put it back on you, Keith, to decide here. Well, I'll just say a little bit more about The Invisible Man other than just I thought it was stupid. <laughs> I just think everybody in this movie is giving the worst performance of their career. There's huh. not a single like standout. Everybody is nails on a chalkboard for me. And the general premise, like the tech suit, I guess is cool. But the whole time I was like, all of this innovation, investment, money, like just to mess with his girlfriend. Like it was kind of like, what is the point of this story? And it never got like, I thought the intro was awesome. And like that hooked me right away, but that was the highest point of the movie. And then everything else was like just a steady downward trajectory. Um, 
The only good scare that worked was when she throws paints on the ladder and like his oh face is there. That That's terrifying. a good scare. But other than that, it's kind of all just jump scares. And I didn't find anything else to be really creative in this movie. So really lost interest as it went on. I see what you're saying. I agree with you on a few of those points. When he kills her sister in the restaurant, I was like, oh, my oh, God, man. that was crazy. Um, but yeah, the beginning and the end for me were just kind of all right, whatever. But the middle was fun. Um, so I'm going to give a vote to Black Phone just because I found it creepier. Um, and I could see maybe maybe putting this one on in the background again next Halloween. So I'll, I'll give Black Phone my vote. All right. Well, happy for me. Invisible Man is not moving on. Uh, <laughs> but the Black Phone is going to go on to face Smile in round two. All right. For next round here, we got Us from 2019 going against The Invitation in 2015. So Us is directed by... Jordan Peele, it stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, and Tim Heidecker. Adelaide Wilson and her family are attacked by a group of menacing doppelgangers. And then for the other movie in our trauma branch here, we have The Invitation from 2015. This one's directed by Karen Kusama, and it stars Logan Marshall-Green, Tammy Blanchard, Michelle Huseman, Emma Yatsi Cornialdi, and John Carroll Lynch. And this one's about a man who accepts an invitation to a dinner party hosted by his ex-wife, and while they're there, the unsettling past reopens old wounds and creates new tensions. So I have a confession to make, and I just realized it. I watched the terrible, terrible 2022 The Invitation, oh, man. the vampire <laughs> yeah. movie that is genuinely dog shit. So oh, I did not one? watch the right invitation for this bracket. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, it's all I was good. worried. I was worried that might happen. I was looking. This is this is the one that I had submitted that I had seen before. Um, I tried to like include the year when I talked about it because <laughs> I knew there's like a million movies called The Invitation, so I probably could have been better. I could have saved my friend Austin <laughs> some strife there, but uh, I guess that means we'll have to leave it up to <laughs> me and Keith here. But I guess, Austin, do you want to start with uh, your thoughts on the other one? Yeah, I, I really like Us. Um, unfortunately, I think of everything Jordan Peele's done, Us is probably like his lesser film, but it's still really good. It, like If Us is your worst movie, you're, you're doing something right with your career. The thing that I like the most about Us is it starts out like, you're like, okay, this is going to be a home invasion movie. And then it just kind of like keeps going and going and going and gets to this crazy premise by the end. It's incredibly unpredictable, especially when you get to like the larger overarching mystery. Um, the only issues I have with it is by the time you get to the end, the mystery itself, I don't find to be explained very well. So it gets very confusing and hard to follow. But the journey there, I think, is super fun. So I don't think, based on what I'm seeing from the other movie, that like the correct invitation would have gotten my vote. So I will just throw my vote in the direction of us, but we can negate it while you two talk about the correct version of the invitation. <laughs> yeah, I liked us a lot. Um, and I love Jordan Peele's style. Like you said, Austin, and it's got a cool, cool premise. Some things do get a little lost, but I did like that twist at the end uh, with like her smile and it was, turns out she was the actual alternate i thought the most haunting thing was the reveal that like in this underground area they're essentially living the same exact moment to moment lives of their doppelganger like having that shot of like everybody on the boardwalk kind of walking and doing whatever they're doing then it just cuts and you just see the doppelgangers like moving and interacting the same way but with nothing physical i was like yeah. that's fucking creepy i don't like that that's <laughs> creepy <laughs> but man i really enjoyed the invitation for some reason, these type of movies that take place with like these house parties that turn bad are always just so fun uh, if they can execute it right. And I think they did for me. I love the twist of the end with like all the lanterns of the neighborhood being lit red, meaning they're all about to 
kill all their people they invited to the party. It, was, it did a good job of making me feel just creeped out and made, gave, me, gave me that anxious feeling the whole time I was watching it. So I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I love movies like this that are just kind of the premise is so basic and the movie doesn't waste any time. I mean, it literally the opening shot is them basically arriving to this dinner party and then they just get right into it. Um, and yeah, just like the premise and how they handle past trauma, you know, Logan Marshall Green plays a guy that is seeing his ex-wife for the first time in two years. And one of the reasons that they kind of broke up is kind of the grief over their son's accidental death. So he's kind of wandering through this house and reliving moments. And at the same time, he's like trying to feel like maybe I'm just kind of fucked up and like feeling skeptic because I'm in the house where my son died and I'm still trying to deal with that. But also there's some weird shit going on with my ex-wife and her new husband. And like, I don't, I don't, something's off. And like, he's the only one that thinks so. And then of course they kind of play with your expectations there. And then he finally kind of, um, I love that moment, Keith, where he kind of, um, he breaks fully and he kind of like yells at everybody. He breaks all the glasses and everybody's like, dude. You took it too far. And then he starts to cry and apologize. And as he's apologizing, the camera cuts over and you see one of the people that drank the wine that was served is now like dying because they were in fact poisoned. So he was right the whole time. So tons of great scenes like that. And then us, man, I'll never forget when that trailer came out because I was like, wow, this is like got to be one of the best trailers I've seen in recent memory. I love Get Out. Can't wait for this one. And I don't know. I guess everybody has moments like that where it came out and it got really good reviews. But I guess like friends of mine that I'd like talked about it with, like they were like, it was okay. Like it was good. Nowhere near get out. So for whatever reason, I never ended up seeing it. So this was my first time watching it. And I'm kind of with Keith. Like I just, the Jordan Peele style, even if it's in kind of a lesser movie is still awesome to watch. Uh, so it's going to, I think, make me watch Nope now because I haven't seen that either. So I'm excited Nope's to really watch good. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. The premise is super simple and super fun. It kind of gives you everything you want, right? I mean, it has some scary moments. It has a lot of levity, which I appreciated, like tons of fun moments. You get some fun action, like you guys mentioned, too. Uh, some like crazy fight scenes and like chases and shit like that. I love the gasoline trap that the kid sets and then the real kid yeah. figures out he can get him to mirror himself back into the fire. Yeah. So cool. Great shot. I think where I'm where I'm kind of at, though, is just when it did get to the ending and kind of the maybe not reveal, but just the element that these people have felt oppressed for so long and they're kind of doing that uh, whole hands across America thing. I thought it was interesting and good, maybe a little bit on the nose. And so because of that, like as it kind of went on and got towards the end, I found it a little bit less interesting as it went on. Um, not that it needed to be subtle or anything. That, that wasn't my issue with it. I was just like, oh, okay, this is fine. Um, and then when it ended, I was like, okay, that's a movie where it definitely started and the middle was way better than I thought the ending itself was, where the invitation is something that I think starts strong gets even stronger and then has like a nice little punch in the gut feeling at the end. So I think for that reason, I'm, I'm probably going to vote for the invitation as well. I think the one thing to call out with us that you're saying, Matt, though, is it gets insane at the end. But if you look at it from where the film starts, it's impossible to predict that it's going to get to that point. So oh, I like sure. the peer like, I'm going to take a shot with this movie and, and try to tell this crazy story. Oh, yeah. Definitely not predictable. That's for sure. Us was fun. I liked all the points y'all made. Um, but I am going to go with the invitation. I just like the unsettling factor of it a little bit more. And then the twist of the end was even was even better for me. Uh, so it really stuck to landing all around. So I'll, I'll vote for the invitation. All right. Well, the invitation will go on to face It Follows in round two of the bracket. And last for the wild card round, we're moving on to the more kind of folk horror aspect, which I think is going to be kind of a fun category here. And we have The Wailing versus Midsommar. So The Wailing, first we have from 2016. This one's directed by... Nahong Jin, and it stars Kwok Do Wan, 
Huang Jungmin and Chun Wu He. This one's about a policeman who investigates a series of mysterious killings and illnesses in a remote Korean village in order to save his daughter. And then we have Midsummer, which came out in 2019, directed by Ari Aster. It stars Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, Will Poulter, William Jackson Harper, and Alora Torcha. A dysfunctional American couple travels to rural Sweden with a group of friends for a midsummer festival, but find themselves in the clutches of a sinister cult claiming to practice Scandinavian paganism. This is my, uh, my first week one here, and this is for The Wailing. I had a hard time with this movie. The, the runtime for me was just way too long. This is the one movie out of this whole bracket where I was just so bored with, and I was trying hard not to be bored with it. I was like, I, like, I want to like this movie. And because I, I thought the performances were awesome. Um, and I thought the idea of it was really cool. But something like just that middle half, I was just like, can we get to the point here? Like, I see where this is going already. Can we get to this? <laughs> like, why is it taking so long to get to the end of this? And I enjoyed the ending and I enjoyed the beginning. But that middle hour and a half, I did not enjoy at all. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I feel the runtime with both of these movies. Um, just to start with The Wailing, I checked this movie at like the 40 minute mark because I thought we were wrapping up and I had been very unsatisfied. And I was actually pleasantly surprised to find that we still had like an hour 20 left because I was like, well, there's got to be something insane that's going to happen. Um, and, and the mystery as we get into the second half of the movie did keep me engaged. It is way too long, though. Like it, it was also a slog for me to get through. Um, but I did like that there's so many theories of who the actual villain is in this movie. It doesn't give you a clear answer. It's kind of up for you to go back and like kind of be a detective yourself and try to figure out all the clues. Um, and so I, I guess I like, I appreciate when horror movies like take a shot at something. And so this one like really like swung for the fences, I thought. Um, and, and I thought like some of the stuff with like the um, shamans and the ghost and like some of those character designs I thought were really creepy. I thought there was some pretty good scares in there. And then going into Midsummer. This one I've, I've always kind of felt like the outside looking in on. Um, I, I don't like this one as much as the general public does. I've always thought that the opening with the carbon monoxide suicide is the scariest part of this movie. And I was always, I've always hoped that like the movie would have focused on that more. But then when we get to the actual like Sweden festival and things like that, to me, it's all just like spectacle there to gross you out. And it, it relies more on like shocking you than actually telling you an interesting story. Um, so I, I, with me, I've just always felt that way about Midsummer, and, and it's never really like connected with me. Like it feels like it has with the broader, like general public. Yeah. Uh, this was my first time watching both of these, uh, both too long. It sounds like that's a, <laughs> we agree on that. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because in, in regards to runtime, what Keith said about the whaling, I think is how I feel about Midsummer in particular, because for me, I, I, I guess I just clocked it. And I don't think that's me being like, wow, I'm such an observant viewer. I think you kind of know where the story is heading and you kind of know what's going on. Obviously, something is wrong here. Ari Aster and the team aren't shying away from showing us that as the audience. Um, but then I'm like, man, there's still like fucking two hours left. And then when it gets to the end, it's like, OK, that's kind of some version of what I anticipated to happen. So it just didn't really justify its runtime for me. That said, I thought it was incredibly interesting and intriguing. I think Florence Pugh is unbelievable in the movie. Oh, she's and, so good. Yeah. And I mean. We talked about Hereditary, I think, on our first bracket, Ari Aster's like kind of first big feature film. I absolutely adored that movie, uh, so much so that I haven't rewatched it <laughs> in the last few years because I know how it's going to make me feel. I don't really want to go through that right now. Um, and I think his style, much like Jordan Peele when we talked about Us, is, is, is here. I mean, the movie looks 
fantastic. I guess it's just the subject matter wasn't able to sustain itself through kind of that three, almost three hour runtime. The Wailing, though, that's kind of an interesting one. Like I said, uh, I also felt the runtime, but in a different way. I, I was kind of maybe closer to Austin where I was going through. It was like a roller coaster kind of in terms of my interest in like things getting flipped around on me. And then I would go, wait, is this what the movie's about? And then it would change again. And then we get towards the ending and I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen? Like I'm feeling like really anxious and nervous. And man, I don't know. I, I just really love like the swings that, you know, Korean cinema seems to genuinely and generally take, I guess I should say. Uh, the acting was unbelievable. This is probably the movie on the list that has stuck with me the most. You know, Austin was talking about kind of the theories and stuff like that. This is the one that I've kind of been like on Reddit like every day. Like I'll like check yeah. out like a random like like I'll think about something about the ending and I'll type in like the wailing ending discussion Reddit and I'll like read it and I'll be like, oh, shit, I got to rewatch this. I think my favorite part about the movie was the back and forth of like, who is the devil? Who isn't? And then even it seems like at times the Japanese man wasn't possessed. And then maybe he is at certain times after he is like they attempt to kill him or something. And then when it comes back at the end. And the priest goes to visit him and he's like, wait, he's alive. So was he the devil? And it's like, well, no, he can't be, you know, flesh and like like bones. They talk about like the physical contact. And the, I think my favorite shot of any of these movies was him taking the picture and laughing. And you're like, what the fuck? What? Like, what, what's this going to lead to? And then just the reveal when they cut back and then it's just like a fucking de like a horned devil taking the picture. I was like, oh, that's so sick. But I, I really enjoyed it. And it was weird. Like I said, like a roller coaster, because at times while watching it, I wasn't enjoying it. But then yeah, by the end, I here. was like. That kind of did reframe my whole experience with it. So I think I did really like that. And like I said, it stuck with me. And I think it's also just cool that this movie is kind of a best of in a way. Like you have zombie kind of, you have vampire kind of, you have a devil story, you have a possession story. You're kind of getting a lot of like tropes and like subgenres uh, all in one. So yeah, I thought it was really interesting, but I would never begrudge someone for not enjoying it. Because like I said, there was times when I was watching it where I wasn't enjoying it. But yeah, I just thought it was incredibly intriguing. It did take me two days to watch The Wailing. I'm glad I stuck through it because I, I found the last 30 to 45 minutes like the best of the film. I think on the premise of the fact that I still really don't have a great idea of who is actually the villain and it, it stuck with me, that alone is going to get my vote over Midsummer. because um, I think there's actually a lot of Keith's favorite thing, rewatchability here oh. to go back and, and, and kind of be a detective and figure out who's the monster. So I'm going to vote for The Wailing. I really did enjoy Midsummer. I did not feel the runtime on this one like maybe you guys did, but I did like the mystery behind the cult and that one kid, two kids, three kids were now missing. The ending was awesome for me. I liked the. I, I thought I thought it was a really good way to kind of close out Florence Pugh's character with the fact that she lost her her whole family in the like you said Austin the carbon monoxide accident and now she's she's gonna stay with this cult. And it's going to be creepy as hell, but she, they're uh, her family now. So I thought that was a, a classic uh, Ari Aster type ending. I also kind of like that she may be staying with the cult and, and maybe for this festival it was creepy, but the everyday life is actually probably pretty idyllic, like living yeah. out in Sweden and they just have their own practices that they commit to and have done for centuries. Yeah. Besides like the burning people and sacrificing people, it's like pretty, pretty nice out there. Pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I get the swing vote here. I think it's funny because while I was watching The Wailing, I hadn't watched Midsummer yet. And like like I talked about those ebbs and flows and the roller coaster nature of it when it came to my enjoyment in the moment. Like whenever I was at like my lower moments watching The Wailing, I was like, I haven't even watched Midsummer yet, but I'm voting for that. <laughs> but um, like I said, after finishing it, it just kind of really 
recontextualize the whole film for me. So I think I will vote The Wailing, even though I liked Midsummer more than I thought I would based on kind of general sentiment going into it. So definitely glad I finally watched it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go The Wailing this time. All right. Well, The Wailing is going to go on to face The Witch in round two. All right, jumping right into round two now. We've we've sorted out the dregs of the wild card, and we've got the best of the best moving on here. Um, for our first matchup of round two, we have Barbarian, which came out in 2022, going up against Green Room. All right, so Barbarian is the only entry on our list that we've actually done a full episode on. So if you're curious about our thoughts on Barbarian, go back to our last year episodes and check that out. It's directed by Zach Kreger, and it stars Georgina Campbell, Justin Long, and Bill Skarsgård. Uh, in this one, a woman finds out that the rental home she reserved has actually accidentally been double booked by a man, uh, and neither of them are aware that there could be a dark secret within the dwelling in the basement. Yes, this is the the Airbnb horror movie. Yes. And um, <laughs> man, you guys know it, but I adore Barbarian. I've seen it, gosh, probably six times since it came out last wow. year. I've showed it to so many people. Every time it's, it's held up for me, it, it has gotten... I guess less scary for me on rewatches, but the journey I think still like stays thrilling. For me, Barbarian is a perfect scary movie because it has really scary elements to get your heart straight up. But then it, it throws comedy in there, and there's there's parts that are fun, there's parts that disturb you. It's really fun to share with people and, and like kind of unveil the mystery as it goes on. Um, so Barbarian for me is just like an all time classic for me when it comes to scary movies. Nothing will beat the moment of like Bill Skarsgård literally getting his face smashed in by this monster that we're seeing for the first time. And then it just quickly cuts to Justin Long singing while driving a car. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Great scares. I love the beginning of it with uh, Bill Skarsgård and Georgina Campbell uh, double booking the uh, Airbnb, VRBO, whatever it was. Yeah, I think for me, I'll just go ahead and throw my vote to get it out of the way. I'm going to vote for Barbarian, even though I love Green Room. But Barbarian just has better scares for me uh, overall. And I'm going to bring my, my Halloween background criteria out on this one and just because this one's just a lot spookier. The rewatchability on it for Halloween is, is there. So Barbarian will get my vote. Yeah, if you guys want to go ahead and maybe quickly move on to the next round, we can. Um, I think, I think kind of like what Keith said, this is the first time on this bracket so far where my background Halloween movie criteria is kind of creeping into the back of my mind because... Green Room, if you look it up, is designated as a horror thriller, but I think the subject matter is horrific, but in terms of like how the movie is presented, it comes off as more of like a traditional thriller to me, whereas Barbarian, I think, is just, you know, a great example of something kind of evenly balancing, you know, that thriller aspect, but certainly the horror Halloween movie element is there. Um, I have lots more to talk about it, and I guess... Uh, we will in the next round because I'm going to be voting for it as well. Despite, like you said, my love for Green Room too. All right, we'll send this one on very quickly. Um, I will also vote for Barbarian. Uh, moving into our next matchup of round two, we have Smile going up against the Black Phone. Smile came out in 2022. It's directed by Parker Finn. It stars Sosie Bacon, Jesse T. Usher, Kyle Gallner, Cal Penn, Caitlin Stacy, and Rob Morgan. A therapist who, after witnessing the bizarre suicide of a patient, goes through increasingly disturbing and daunting experiences, leading her to believe what she is experiencing is supernatural. My thoughts on Smile. I remember seeing the trailer for this one when it came out last year, um, and it looked really creepy. And I will admit, it did have a lot of creepy moments. 
especially the smiling moments. I did not like that. Oh, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the therapy scenes with that one girl smiling. Oh, God. Great intro. Yeah. Yeah. Really great intro. This is one of those two. I don't want to say it's one of my weaker ones, but I think it's just one of those where like, okay, had a good time, but didn't blow me out of the water by any means. I don't know where I'm going to be at yet with black foam. So I want to hear y'all's thoughts. I thought Smile had some good scares in it. I think looking at the movie as a whole, though, it's a lot of jump scares, and those kind of did like wear me down and get less creative um, as the movie went on. I will say, though, the end of the movie with the creature design, thought they really nailed it. That oh, monster yeah. is yeah. very scary looking. And so that reveal of like actually getting to see what this thing is that's possessing people, um, I, that kind of like stuck the landing there a little bit for me with the ending and did kind of... Um, I guess nudge it up there with how much I enjoyed it because I was feeling pretty down on it. But then when like the reveal of a really good creepy creature is always going to work for me. I know you guys didn't love the Invisible Man, but like I mentioned, one of the reasons why I really enjoyed that was watching other characters react to Elizabeth Moss. Like we, the audience, know that Elizabeth Moss is right in what she's seeing. But then you also can't blame the other characters for being like, what the fuck do you mean? There's a person wearing an invisible. What? <laughs> and. <laughs> Smile also gave me some of those moments, too. Like, you know, when she's trying to describe this, she has this position as this really well-regarded, you know, therapist and like a doctor and she's smart. And so whenever she's like talking about, OK, husband, honey, you have to believe me. Uh, there's this evil presence that's following me. Only I can see it. It smiles at me. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he's like and, and that's like really scary in movies. It's like when you when we are on the side of the protagonist, we know they're right. But we also can't fault other people for being like, OK, OK, weirdo. <laughs> like, and that makes for like a really scary, like, you know, just idea. And um, yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't see Smile. Like Keith, I, I really enjoyed that trailer when it first came out. The marketing was also really good. Yeah. They had people like at baseball games doing the Ugh. creepy smile and stuff like that. And I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed it even more than I thought I would. I don't think it's like amazing by any means, but I, I had a great time with it. I liked Austin at the top talking about kind of criteria and stuff. It's like, you know, you want your movie to be enjoyable and fun, whether or not like the content is horrific. And this was like a good balance for me of that. Like, I think this is like a fun popcorn movie, but it also has like good scares and like kind of creepy moments and. I'm totally with you on the ending really kind of coming together in a good and satisfying way, even though it's not a happy ending. I mean, she fucking dies and the curse passes on, but it kind of all tracked and it made sense. And you weren't like mad at any of the characters for knowing that this is how the curse passes, but still is like, oh, I'm going to watch you die. It's like, no, dude, the curse is going to pass. But it's like, you get it. I mean, he's trying to help. So like for like a wacky premise, it all kind of made sense and tracked. And I really in particular enjoyed the kind of like invest like investigator element of the story, like them like teaming up with her ex-boyfriend that's a cop and trying to figure this out, I thought was enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I, I was just surprised that I enjoyed this way more than I thought. Also fun bracket, guys, this came together naturally. I'm looking at this now because I remember seeing something this week, but th we could also call this the um, upcoming sequel side of the bracket because after Smile came out, they immediately greenlit it for a sequel and the black phone actually, I think this week got greenlit for a sequel. So we mm. could be talking about Smile 2 and the Black Phone 2 in the future. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to replace the S in Smile with a 2. Uh, oh, smile! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with, with the Black Phone, I talked about how ultimately it, it ended up letting me down. Um, I don't think Smile is really that much better than the Black Phone, but yeah. I think as it went on, it, it just impressed me a little bit more. Um, my only issue with Smile is, is really I thought the surrounding characters were not great, but I thought Cersei Bacon gave a really good performance and you can buy like 
she's questioning her sanity and, and all that like is very scary like you talked about matt um it's also like a really fun group movie which this is the only one i actually watched like in a group setting at a party that kind of is going to earn it some points too because like you kind of want that good popcorn feel for halloween so i'm gonna throw my vote to smile over the black phone this one's kind of a tough one for me but i think i know where i'm gonna vote um i'm kind of like you austin i think both these movies are pretty much equal i think i am gonna vote for the black phone though i think i enjoyed it just slightly more whereas smile i did kind of get i was kind of getting tired of it after a little bit but i did like like you guys said i think it, the ending uh did stick to landing but yeah i don't know something about black phone and ethan hawk just being creepy in a house and that one that one got me so i'm gonna go ahead and vote for that keith really quick ethan hawk movies would you vote for the black phone or boyhood Wow, what a tricky one. Wasn't that Ewan McGregor in Boyhood? <laughs> That's an old school Arnie's reference. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a fun one because I, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't think one is like massively better than the other, but I think both for me were extremely competent. And I guess it's actually kind of funny. We, we talked about them both getting sequels. And I think both of these are kind of that more traditional like popcorn-y, like have fun, like you mentioned also, like watching movies in, like in a group. I mean, these are kind of maybe the two best examples of that on our bracket. Like they're kind of traditional in that sense. And because of that, I had like a lot of fun watching both of them, despite like really scary moments. Um, I just, I think I might lean towards Austin. I just think Smile was more intriguing throughout, whereas the Black Phone, it had a lot of levity as well, but a lot of dumb levity. Like, I love James Ranson. Like, I mean, him in, like, It Chapter 2, uh, in Sinister as well, with Ethan Hawke. Him playing the reveal that he's the Grabber's brother, living upstairs, and then at the end finds out, like, oh, shit, I knew he was hiding something. I didn't think it was this. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's supposedly, like, all coked up, trying to discover where the Grabber lives, but he doesn't open one door to this mysterious staircase and realize that that's all happening down there. Also, where was he when Finn escaped and Ethan Hawke chased after him? <laughs> like, like it's really stupid, that reveal. Like, whoa, the grabber's my brother? <laughs> and he gets axed in the head. Um, so yeah, lots of dumb shit, but I had fun with it. I think Smile was just a bit more consistent throughout. So I'm going to side with Austin on this one and vote for Smile. All right, well, Smile will go on to face Barbarian in the semifinal round. And for our next matchup of round two, we now have It Follows versus The Invitation. All right, so It Follows came out in 2014. It's directed by David Robert Mitchell, stars Micah Monroe, Keir Gilchrist, Daniel Zavato, Jake Weary, Olivia Lucardi, and Lily Sepp. A young woman is pursued by a supernatural entity after a sexual encounter. Uh, so I'll just, I'll kick it off with this. Um, I think It Follows is the better version of Smile kind of has that whole passing on the monster element to it. I really love the way they use the the it shape in this movie. Always steadily walking towards you, never changes its pace. Really scary every time you see like notice it in the background. I like how it changes its form. Um the tall man with the black eyes gets me every time. Really scares me. Um this is one of the movies where I finished late at night and when walking through my house in the dark was actually a little creeped out. Um, so I, I think It Follows is really good. I've seen it multiple times. It's held up every time. There's some really good scares in it. And I, I kind of like the the nature of getting together with your friends and trying to like beat this supernatural entity. So uh, kind of everything in It Follows files on, fires on all cylinders for me. I thought the score was out of control as well. 
like that synthy kind of electronic score was like I was just vibing along with the movie the whole time. And then something scary pops up I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but um, the thing that like really scares me about this movie, too, is thinking about the intro with the very first girl. She drives herself out to a beach. And just thinking about that from her perspective of she's going to sit on this beach and just wait for this thing to eventually come out of the woods and slowly get to her. Every time I think about that, you don't even see it in the movie, but it creeps the crap out of me. Um, and then like seeing the way her body ended up like in the next scene oh. is super scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hated that. Yeah. It follows. As, I mean, Austin had talked about earlier a movie that's with Greenroom, I think, that has been on his list forever and just never watched it until now. That's kind of it follows for me. It's always been right near the top. Never watched it. Don't know why. I know it's been regarded as like one of the best like horror movies of the 21st century. Um, I just never watched it. Uh, I'm glad I finally did. I had a great time. I thought it was great. And this is you guys know I love a good like interesting kind of quirky, weird premise. And it's so fucked up. I mean, just like, you know, they're like, I guess maybe taking the idea of like STDs or just like sex in general and kind of turning that into a horror concept. But just the idea that it's like, yeah, if you have sex with somebody, you can pass it on to them and they'll now be at the top of the list. But if they die, now you're back at the top. So yeah, you're just not this, safe. It's like the perfect movie to feature teenagers as main characters because like some of them are like, I can't pass this on. Like the girl in the intro, like she kind of like willingly, I guess, sacrifices herself, so to speak, because she's not going to pass it on. But then we see other characters that are like, okay, fuck, like let's have sex. And then like, I'm going to go have sex. And then like, we'll push ourselves like way further down the list. And it's like, just the idea of there being a list I found really creepy and scary. And I'm a sucker for a villain or an entity that like, just walks at a casual pace, but they're always coming for you. <laughs> so it's like, dude, it, it was, it, it messed me up. I, I had a great time with it. I thought it was really, really fucking scary. And, he, and one character even says like, it's not dumb, but it's not fast. So you can buy yourself time, but it's, it's going to come for you no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can drive, but it's still walking wherever you're to, wherever you're at. Yeah. Um, it follows as one I didn't like as much when I finished it. I was like, I don't know about that movie. <laughs> it, it felt, yeah. It felt like it, for me it, when I was watching it, it felt like it was. It just kept building and building, and then it ended. And I was like, oh, it's done. Like I feel like it was yeah. building towards something. And then the credits. I, I love that the shot though. Ending, yeah. I love the shot though of them walking hand in hand, and then someone's behind them. Yeah. Like, did they get wondered, away from yeah. it? Did they not? So the more it sat with me, the more I did like it though. Um, I did like all the moments when the kids are trying to figure it out, and then. There was one moment though where I laughed out loud whenever they're uh, in the uh, the place with the pool and they're they have all like the electrical like the toasters and shit like that they're trying to throw in the pool. The one when the one kid pulls out the gun and is trying to shoot him and he he clearly points it at he his friend and he just friend. shoots the friend right in the leg <laughs> and she's like ah and she goes down. I was like you idiot you pointed it right at her. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> You you guys also know from years of doing this bracket that I love a good like horror movie rules. Mm. So I, I I like that this movie clearly sets up the rules and never breaks it. Yeah, and it, that also does kind of track to what I said earlier, where the guy says this thing is not dumb. It's just always slow and it's coming for you. And so the the creature can also like kind of sort out some of these traps. Like it figures out they're trying to electrocute him. So I like that it never kind of broke the rules that the movie established for its scariness. Whenever he puts her in the wheelchair and they're like underneath the overpass and he's just looking around with his flashlight, that was just creeping me out so much. He's like, I think I see it. I think I see it. I was like, what is it? <laughs> I mean, that's the scary part is because like literally the, the gimmick is like anybody walking towards you could be this thing. So it's like, yeah. 
every and they they do a good job of like showcasing that in the movie, kind of like the psychological aspect of it is just like I'm walking down the street and somebody happens to be like ahead of me walking in my direction. It's like for us, we're like, yeah, that happens every day. <laughs> but for them, they're like, that that could be coming to kill me. And just think if you were like, you thought you were really far down the list, but you don't know if other people died. Like it could yeah, be back no for you knowing, if you really. escaped it. Yeah. Because if like if you have sex and pass it on, you're not going to necessarily know who that person passed it on to. Like They could be at the top of the list. They could be further down. Maybe they did. You don't know. So it's like you can only keep track of the person that you had sex with to pass it on. You have no idea where you stand, which was, I don't know. Yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> um, so just to, to circle it back here, we obviously established I watched The Wrong Invitation uh, in the other round. I will in spirit vote for It Follows, but I'll, I'll leave it up for you two to decide, to decide what's going to move on of this matchup. Yeah, I want to hear from you, Keith. It sounds like out of the three of us, you are a little bit lower on It Follows. It sounds like you liked it more as you thought about it. But I know you liked The Invitation. Did you like it enough to vote for that? Or where do you stand, do you think? I really still love The Invitation. Um but I will, on this one as well, bring out my my Halloween criteria here and vote for It Follows. I think it just was a lot creepier, a lot spookier, like Austin said ahead, like the, the horror rules set in stone, and it's always fun. Um, could definitely lead to a sequel if they wanted to. So I will vote for It Follows, but The Imitation has my love. This is another one where if they did a sequel, they could change the S to a 2. Holy shit. (laughs) Gotta make that happen ASAP. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll go ahead and make it unanimous. I'll vote for It Follows as well. I'm kind of with Keith. I have the Halloween aspect in the back of my mind a little bit. And it's kind of the same thing I said with Green Room. It's like I love that movie. Same with The Invitation. Also love that movie. I've seen it the most, I guess, out of anything on this list. I've watched that one a few times. Um, But it does kind of come come across a little bit as like like just like a really solid thriller that you could watch any time of the year. Whereas it follows, if I'm ever going to rewatch it, it's going to be during Halloween. So it kind of gets that edge for me. I also just think it's better. I think it was like better made. Um, just love the direction of this. The premise was really like scaring me throughout. And um, there was also some good scares on top of that throughout the movie. Also, shout out Micah Monroe as our lead. We've been talking about like good performances throughout. I think that's like another just really great kind of like lead, like a younger actress performance. Uh, really sold it. Um, but yeah, it'll get my vote. So I'll make it unanimous. I also think this may or may not have been the director's directorial debut, but I, I do know it only cost a million dollars to make, and it went on to make $14 million worldwide. So gotta love a the smash success for a horror debut, too. All right, so It Follows is going to go on to our semifinal round, and to find out what it is facing, we now have The Witch versus The Wailing. All right, so The Witch is from 2015. This one's directed by Robert Eggers, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, and Kate Dickey. It's about a Puritan family in 1630s New England who encounter forces of evil in the woods beyond their farm. Matt, you are from the New England area. Did you feel at home watching this movie? I certainly did. It made me want (laughs) to move back home, you know, start a small farm outside of without any input by my Puritan friends and invest in the billy goat industry. I don't know. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is kind of our folky Wing of the Bracket. Uh, this one's full title is The Witch, A New England Folktale. Um, this is like the one that kind of put Robert Eggers on the map. This is like a smash success when it first came out. Um, this is another one that's been on my list forever. I feel very similar to this one that I do about The Northman, where mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily meet my expectations, but the atmosphere it established I thought was incredible. Um, the cinematography, I think, is beautiful. And then there, there was a few like good creepy moments, but it, this one didn't exactly scare me, but I was like pretty enthralled with the story. 
Yeah, I feel the same exact way. Um, I think the setting is really creepy. The 1600s New England area, witches living in the woods. All the performances were good, especially Anna Taylor Joy. Um, but the dad too. Is it, is it Ralph Innocent? I loved the dad. Yeah, yeah, Ralph Innocent. Yeah, he was. His voice is like. Yeah, I know. I thought he was. <laughs> I thought I was he like, was Severus Snape for a second. I know. I was like, did he smoke a pack of like? Uh, did he smoke like a carton before, of Marlboros before, before he did scene, this yeah, role? Before every single scene, yeah, he smoked <laughs> yeah. a pack. <laughs> yeah, w- with the dad, I, I like the idea of like he's really bought into his Puritan faith. He's scared, obviously, of the devil and witches, but then he's also kind of scared of his family. So, like that idea of like like being trapped in the middle of nowhere with these people is like kind of worked for me too. Yeah, I thought the dad might have been the most compelling character because he is kind of a dick. Because he's like, yeah, we chose to leave, you know, our settlement. We're on our own now. Uh, so to keep making money and get like the hunting supplies we need, I, I sold my wife's um, like prized possession. And then he's like kind of okay with like letting his daughter take the blame for it. So like he's kind of a dick, but then he's also kind of the only one that believes that she's not a witch and kind of backs her up. So it's like, is he doing it out of guilt or not? Like, what a, like an interesting, yeah, character. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. The, the entire family I thought was interesting. The twins creeped me the fuck out. I wanted nothing to do with them. <laughs> them like talking to their uh, Black Philip uh, goat friend who yeah. actually was like the bad guy, it turned out. And then just like calling their sister, you're a witch. Black Philip told me. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> wanted to punt those kids across the room. <laughs> I also was, I don't know how you guys felt, but with the ending, I was like kind of happy for Anya Taylor-Joy's character when she goes to actually become a witch. Like, it seems like this might be a better better life for her. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Fucking farm. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, how I kicked off the bracket watching. I started with The Witch. This is the first one. and um, But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think the only thing it was missing for me, I wanted to see more of The Witch or The Witches, like showing whatever they're doing, like cauldrons and potions and shit like that, doing classic witchy type stuff. We only get like one really like one or two really creepy shots of the witch when she's actually like <laughs> like laughing. It's only two, and I agree with you. I wish the witch was in it more. But the scenes we get are pretty scary. Like her standing over the cow and in, in like trapped in a barn with this witch. Like that creeped me out. And I, I don't think I can unsee the scene of the crow breastfeeding. That was oh! very scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hated that. <laughs> That's I forgot about that until now. <clears throat> Just watching the crow peck at a breast is not something I thought I would watch in anything, <laughs> much less a Halloween bracket. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because in a way, I kind of like that we didn't see too much of the witches because it kind of fed into this idea that like, because of like the whole Puritan faith thing, like they just assume like witches and that kind of thing are facts, like they're real. But the fact that we kind of only saw them a couple of times made me kind of like Anya Taylor-Joy be like, well, I don't, I mean, is that even a real thing? I don't think it's real. But then, of course, it turns out they live like next door to one. So I, I kind of like that I was kind of questioning myself too. If we're going to throw out another kind of spooky scene, kind of getting that scene at the end with Anya Taylor Joy, where she's uh, in the, I guess, like the barn or the stable, whatever you want to call it. But whenever Black Philip kind of takes his human form, but you never really see his face, but you just know that he has a human form, I was very unsettled by. Um, and like kind of like Austin mentioned, I'm not too far off from you, but The Northman is a movie that I think all three of us are kind of on the outside looking in. Movie very highly regarded. We were like, that kind of was a waste of my time. Um, <laughs> this one had more substance to it and more kind of subtlety and, and intrigue and interest for me. So it's like, I didn't love it, but I'll probably rewatch it. I, I did really enjoy it. And I thought like a great debut from Robert Eggers. 
I'm trying to kind of figure out where I might uh, position this one if it gets my vote or not. I'm not sure yet. I think as as much as I did come to find the ending of the whaling compelling, that slog of the whaling is kind of coming into play here for me because I was pretty enthralled with the witch and it is a, like a relatively quick watch for a Robert Eggers movie. And I guess I'll I'll bring in the Halloween element too. This this has like pretty good Halloween feels to me with it being a witch story set in the woods, just creepy time period of New England. Um, I think I think ultimately I'll vote for the witch because I looking when I finished it I was like eh that was okay but it has actually stuck with me a little bit and the more I've thought about it the more it sat with me I think I've come to appreciate it more I'll vote first here and uh, cast it for the witch yeah which gets my vote it was creepy it's about a witch you can't really beat that when it comes to Halloween <laughs> criteria so it'll get my vote yeah it's an interesting one for me to keep it short I think the wailing is un- undeniably for me the better movie. Um, but I'm already kind of picturing myself in the future rewatching the Wailings. I know I will, but I don't think I'm going to necessarily wait for Halloween time to do it. Like I feel like I, I could kind of watch it whenever. So I think I'm kind of taking a page out of your guys's book. I think the witch just has that, you know, back in my mind Halloween element. So if I'm bringing that into kind of the semifinal discussion, I'm going to vote for it as well. Although I am excited to rewatch the Wailing, and also fun to note, guys, uh, I just looked at our bracket here. Every single one seater is moving on. Wow, we didn't even need to do the wild card. We really didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And jumping right into our semifinal round now, we have Barbarian going up against Smile. It always happens, guys. I've said it every bracket, just the way (laughs) it shakes out. You know, you expect when you get to the semifinals, it'll be harder. Not the case. Not the case. I think Barbarian's going to run away with this one. Yeah, Smile is a is a middling horror movie at best. Uh, Barbarian is an instant classic. I'll be voting for Barbarian. Same here. Same here. All right. Well, very quickly <laughs> then, uh, Barbarian is going to go into our final round. And to find out what it's facing, we have It Follows versus The Witch. Ooh. Okay. Good. Okay. A little bit trickier, I would say, maybe. I mentioned it uh, last time, but... I do believe it follows is the better version of Smile. Um, also kind of like an instant classic, I feel like, for Halloween and rewatchability. And, and I did mention it had moments where it scared me. I do think The Witch has a better atmosphere, though, um, and maybe has better performances. So I'm kind of stuck on, like, do I vote for, like, a great Halloween movie or do I vote for, like, maybe a better movie overall? I think I know where I'm kind of leaning with this one. Well, I did agree with all y'all's points earlier regarding it follows with like the horror rules um even like the creepiness of the the people that are following them um the slowness of it it was all really thrilling and creepy but like i, I still have I, this is one i'm gonna have to rewatch um because i still have my 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 view that i felt like it was building the whole time and then it the credits rolled and it was just like i don't know why that ending just didn't work for me like i said maybe it's just a re i just need to go rewatch it and maybe it'll work um, but the witch, like you said, Austin, the atmosphere for me was was there, and the witch is creepy. I love the woods. I love the uh, the time period this takes place in. So I, I was gonna get my vote. Just has that more of that Hollywood, Halloween spookiness feel for me. Uh, th- for me, I think ultimately why it follows is gonna get my vote is because of all these movies. Um, it follows just the one that actually made it a little hard for me to sleep at night after I watched it. So I'll cast my vote for it follows. Hmm. I think this is going to be the hardest one for me today. Um, this is tough. 
I think I actively enjoyed watching It Follows way more than The Witch, but I think I appreciate it's not the right word, but I I guess there's like elements of The Witch that I think are way better. Like we already talked about the atmosphere, the setting, the way it's shot, I mean, is kind of unbelievable. I mean, the, the movie looks fantastic. The performances are out of control good. Um, whereas there's like some maybe missteps or just like, okay, like fine performances in It Follows. I think both premises are really good. And I actually, I liked both endings of each of these. I, I was, yeah. I was happy with where both of them ended up. <sighs> Man, this is tricky. So now like the, so I guess they're kind of pretty equal. Like I'm very high on both of them and they're equal in my mind, but. I don't know if this will edge it out for you, Matt, but if you vote for it follows in the final round, we can have a Detroit showdown. Ah. Uh. Finally, <laughs> Eminem would be so happy. <laughs> um, so that I guess because they're equal, the only thing I'm really like thinking about is which is the better like Halloween movie. And it's funny because I feel like Austin made a case for It Follows and Keith made a case for The Witch, and I think both are accurate. So it's like, and I made the Halloween case when it when The Witch faced The Wailing too. Yeah. Oh man. You know what? This could be a situation where I regret it later. I mean, as we all know, if you're a fan of the Arnie's and you've been listening to our past Halloween brackets, uh, I have never regretted anything more than voting for Beetlejuice over the thing. Austin still (laughs) berates me for it. He doesn't really, but in my head, he does. (laughs) Um, I think despite despite that, I'm going to go with the one that I just enjoyed more in the moment. And I still think you can make a case for it kind of having the Halloween aspect. I do agree with Keith that the setting and atmosphere of the witch is kind of that personified, but I just think it follows the content. It has like the classic kind of movie monster element that we get in a lot of these Halloween movies and horror movies in general. I just enjoyed it more. I'm going to vote for it follows. All right. Well, we do have our Detroit showdown then in the final round. Uh, We have barbarian set in the rundown kind of forgotten part of Detroit. And then we have it follows set in the suburbs of Detroit. I'll just start us off here because I think I know what's going to happen. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll just throw this out that I love Barbarian. I don't want to say I'm low on it because I love the movie, but it sounds like just in this conversation, thinking back to our review that we did last year, I'm probably just a little bit lower on it than you guys. I still love it. All I'm going to say to start this off in the finals is that this is hard for me. So do you guys think this is tricky for you at all? This one's not hard for me. Um, mainly because what I was talking about at the very beginning of this episode is like the ride of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Barbarian when saying that. Um, Barbarian is just that kind of fun ride. I feel like that you want from a scary movie. The intro all the way up until the mother is first revealed is so scary, puts you on edge. And then from you get like a 20 minute break where it's pretty comedic and pretty funny and it, that kind of calms you down then you always end up back at that house and you kind of get back on edge and, and scared and then you get more of the mystery unveiled and it's creepy and gross. And that whole ride, I think, is just so perfectly done and executed in Barbarian. It is, to me, one of the instant classic modern horror movies to come out over the past decade. And I think it is just a perfect Halloween movie, too. So it's kind of a you can tell where I'm going with this, but my vote for sure is Barbarian. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me, too. I mean, I've already explained my my issues with it follows, but I I think it, it does earn a, a rewatch for me because I did I do like all the points y'all were making with it, and I think it is good content. Uh, but I'm with I'm with Austin on this one that the criteria just fits Barbarian. You get the scary monster, you do get some comedy in there too. You get and then you get like the creepy, unsettling beginning with Bill Skarsgård and Georgina Campbell. 
um, with the Airbnb mix up. And then yeah, the 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 rundown Detroit neighborhood setting makes it all better. So uh yeah, Barbarian's gonna get my vote. Easy, easy one for me. Yeah. You know, I think I would mm, I think I would lean towards voting for it follows after watching it for the first time. Um it doesn't matter, obviously you guys vote for Barbarian, but I'm very happy with Barbarian winning this. I think, you know, I know we're at the end here, but some other things to shout out like Austin there. I, I was very it was fun to rewatch because like whenever you go to like a movie theater, like you're not kind of like constantly aware of like how much time is left or anything. The movie's like an hour and like 45, maybe a little bit less than that long. And it shocked me that it was over 40 minutes in before we got the Justin Long thing. Yeah. I thought like it happened sooner than that. I was like, maybe that was like probably like 20 minutes in. So it's like only really an hour. And my favorite part about the movie is that they introduce us to Justin Long's character who is a vile scumbag. I mean, we they never shy away from that. Then you're like, well, wait, am I supposed to root for this guy now as he's like trying to go through and like survive this monster? And then like the fucking best choice they made at the end was him trying to kill Georgina Campbell in order to save himself. And then I'm just watching the mother gouge his eyes out. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like such a good commitment to a character. Like Justin Long does a great job acting out like as an asshole and like the writing for that character is so good. Like you just get such good catharsis at the end of Barbarian, I feel like. Once the credits roll, you're feeling good about what you just watched. So I'm very happy to watch this one win. The Bill Skarsgård casting. That was intentional. <laughs> we know what they were doing. Uh, but yeah, it's a great movie. Um, I'm surprised it took me this long to rewatch it. I'm excited to rewatch it again soon. But yeah, happy with Barbarian winning. And Keith, would you like to give us your mother impression, by the way? Oh, absolutely. Love her uh, Superman fly off the water tower. <laughs> Yeah, diving after is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, there you go. Barbarian came in as a one-seater, and it went the rest of the way. Great movie. Very happy with it winning. But, guys, now, before we close out, we have to ask the question. we got to look at our past Halloween movie brackets. We have to decide where Barbarian kind of fits as a winner. So, in the past, we had Scream, which won our first Halloween movie bracket, then Beetlejuice controversial i know my bad that won the second one and then last year on a bracket that we were not thrilled to do but there was a glimmer of hope because we all love tremors and that one last year guys between scream beetlejuice and tremors where do you think barbarian kind of ranks in there well it is a a fun little connection here because uh kevin bacon's daughter's movie almost made it to the finals in this round um smile for me barbarian is better than scream uh, better than Beetlejuice, but not better than The Thing, which should have won that year, and better than Tremors. <laughs> oh, okay. So number one for you, based on what's won in the past. I think for me, it's going to go Scream, Beetlejuice, Barbarian, then Tremors. I do love Barbarian, but Scream and Beetlejuice will always be classic Halloweens for me. If you, if you want classic Halloweens, those two take the cake, but scary movies are like just movie quality for me, Barbarian. So movie quality and scariness, yeah, Barbarian would be over Scream and Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. Tremors is, will be at the bottom of that list, no matter what the criteria is. I like Tremors. Still but great, though. It's still a still good movie. movie. I think I'm kind of with Keith. I think if we're going off of like, taking this movie that won a bracket where we really weren't considering what's the best Halloween movie that much, I think it would rank third. I would put Scream and Beetlejuice above it. But if we're going off quality, 
I'll give Barbarian that bump, and I'll put it at number two. As you guys know, Scream is one of my favorite movies, like, period. And that's just, like, a classic Halloween movie. It has everything you want, the scares, like, the levity, the meta fourth wall breaking, love all that. Uh, so, yeah, this would be number two for me. So it's in good company on this list, I think. And who knows, maybe maybe one year in a bracket we'll have Scream 6, which is a pretty good reboot of this franchise pretty going good. up against the original Scream. You know how much I love Scream 6. That would be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, before we get into our Scream franchise breakdown discussion, let's close out. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Send us your favorite Halloween movies and let us know if you think we picked the right winner. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. See you next week. Spooky season is done, but we still have some more fun content for you coming in November and December. Will we do another best holiday movie bracket? Who's to say? I don't know. Have we uh, kind of gone through every single one possible? Also possible. <laughs> so <laughs> will we do Home Alone 4? Maybe. <laughs> but everybody, have a great week. Hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye.